Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone's having a great day. Today is Wednesday. It's hump day, January 25th. Today is National Florida Day. That's right. Shout out to Florida. That's right. See, even the dogs agree. National Irish Coffee Day. Library Shelfie Day. Now, this is funny because it's spelled like shelf, but it's actually meant for you to take selfies. Um, in the library with your favorite books day to day and of course it's burns supper day shout out to the great poet mr burns thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us it's also high noon on the east coast and please remember to like share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms especially right here on youtube you can use that fancy little qr code up at the top left corner of your screen just scan that and you can find everywhere that we're at we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by commenting on the story most recently presented. But coming up first today, that's right, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It is Rico Lameet. When Rico is babysitting, you can often make sh- know that no one is going to get through to him because he doesn't answer his phone or his text messages. That's right. So tons of business could be going on. And meanwhile, he is just sipping tea, playing and singing. Let it go. Let it go. And there's a call. When he, <laughs> yes. When he's when he's at TEDx conventions, you can find him doing the same thing because he'll usually will put his phone in his backpack and has has that just sitting somewhere in a camera bag with probably someone else holding it and lugging it around for him. That's right, like as if he was on a golf course with a caddy. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. (laughs) So, Jason, I apologize if I missed a text message or a call from you. You know, I got shit done. I got shit done. And, uh, you know, uh, Diapers ain't cheap, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but either way, <clears throat> my story today is from the Hartford Courant by Allison Cross. Connecticut Republicans propose suspending cannabis sales, banning edible sales as part of a plan to tighten regulations. <sighs> Republicans, Republicans, Republicans. At a press conference in Hartford Tuesday, Connecticut House Republicans proposed HB 5434, legislation to tighten restrictions on the state's newly legal cannabis market, including 
an outright ban on edible sales. The reasoning behind the quick move to neuter the market was an expressed concern over a, quote, anticipated increase in impaired driving fatalities, pediatric cannabis overdoses, and health risks after recreational cannabis sales become a reality, end quote. Not anything that's happened already, anticipated. <laughs> this is some Tom Cruise Minority Report pre-crime shit that um, effectively ratcheted up the whole save the children rhetoric a few notches higher than what we've seen in other states. Let me keep going. They said the only way to tackle these non-existent issues with more is with, mis- with more stringent regulations. Per the article, HB 5434 seeks to prohibit the sale of all edible cannabis products, curtail public consumption, repeal restrictions on law enforcement for cannabis-related stops and searches, and allow daycare and school staff to stop their parents from picking up their children when they are under the influence of cannabis, because that's apparently tearing apart the social fabric of America. I guess there's 13 provisions in total in the proposal among the most extreme are an outright called on the state to suspend retail cannabis sales until Connecticut's drug recognition expert certification program becomes a thing and is operational house minority leader, uh, rep, uh, representative Vincent Candelora. He said, <laughs> People are now realizing that it is no joking matter. There's conversations of actually expanding the program and making it even more accessible to the public at a time when we haven't even gotten our arms around the enforcement and safety pieces of this. This is looking to put some better guardrails around the system that we have in place. Last Thursday, Connecticut's General Law Committee voted to reserve the bill for a subject matter public hearing at a date not yet determined. Candelora said HB 5434 would clarify requirements concerning child-proofing cannabis containers, use of non-enticing packaging, THC dosage, servings, and potency, which are currently stipulated in CDCP policy, not legal code. For clarity, the CDCP already requires all cannabis containers be child-resistant, tamper-proof, opaque, and either all black or all white with clearly defined labels. Edible servings must be physically um, demarcated and readily separable with no more than 5 milligrams per serving and 100 milligrams per container. And THC concentrates cannot exceed 30% for flour, 60% for edibles, vape cartridges, and other consumption methods. Candelora and his conservative cohorts believe their legislature, uh, there's, their legislative methods should determine regulations in the cannabis market, and the Democrats are destroying family values with their radical ideas. The law allows for the DCP to, to impose restrictions. The Democrats didn't want to set a THC limit statute. We wanted it in the statute. And so we have to wait for the mercy of bureaucrats to sit around and make decisions on what this animal should look like, he said is left in the hands of bureaucrats, and we believe these policies need to come back to the legislature. He then went on to say his party does not have a specific concentration recommendation at the moment, but he believes all concentrates should fall in the 30% range. He obviously doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Per the article, ranking, ranking member 
of the General Law Committee representative, David Rudigliano, I don't know how to pronounce that, said that the proposal to ban edible sales altogether is aimed at opening up the dialogue about the cannabis consumption method to hopefully establish more regulations. At least we're going to have a conversation about edibles. This goes back to dosing and concentration. If you're in Massachusetts and they say, well, the dose is the ear. It's four doses her gummy. <laughs> this is ripe for abuse. And people are getting sick and trips to the emergency room. It should be a single serving. The dosing should be the actual gummy, not an ear or a foot. <laughs> he actually said this shit. Uh, the bill also aims to officially end gas station, smoke shop, and convenience store sales of all THC variants by eliminating ambiguity in the public perception of the current law, which Candelora says has lacked an enforcement arm. Rituliano, then I think that's how you pronounce it. It's kind of good, Rico. Thanks. Uh, then said, without providing any evidence, that a survey in his town of, of Trumbull found that eight locations were selling Delta 8 and Delta 9 THC, and one of the locations sold the product in an illegal manner in the form of cookies and knockoff Oreos. This was a simple vape shop, it wasn't a retail marijuana location. Now, I doubt this dude found himself perusing any trap shops in his local neck of the woods, and he provided no evidence of this shit, but whatever, I guess. Ranking member of finance, revenue and bonding committee representative Holly Cheeseman piled on the baseless arguments by saying young people and motorists need more information about how cannabis can impair function. Language in the bill would require a driver's education module on the dangers of operating a vehicle while under the influence of cannabis before getting a license. It would also mandate packaging labels stating that cannabis use may be addictive, lead to birth defects, or cause psychosis. We're asking for the same government health warning that you see on cigarettes, Cheeseman said. Cheeseman, Candelora, and Rutuliano also focused on reports of pediatric THC overdoses from accidental child consumption of cannabis. With no data analysts on Connecticut Poison Control Center staff, Dr. Suzanne Doyon, uh, the medical director of the C CPCC, said that the center does not have readily available statistics on the number of cannabis overdose calls. We have nothing. But my gut feeling is the overdose call volume is unchanged because there are very few edibles sold in Connecticut right now. <laughs> She estimates that it would take at least two to three more months to gauge the impact of Connecticut's nascent uh, recreational cannabis sales on the number of pediatric exposures. Well, and um, they just kept on going on and on. And they let these people to continue to just like spew this bullshit for an hour and a half. So there you have it, folks. Sometimes the stories just write themselves. And I'd love to hear everybody else's response on this because y'all know where I stand on it. I'm Rico Lamita, the dopest dad on the street. And I'm all about sexual equity. So, 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 Rico, they're saying they're banning all edibles and they're even going as far as to ban Delta 8, THCO, and all those other variants from all the gas stations and head shops as well. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, at least they're doing it Look across the that. board. Wow. I guess, yeah. I guess there won't be any, um, uh, can, uh, any Connecticut entries in this year's Emerald Cup edibles. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't going to be anyway, but yes, that's pretty true. <laughs> well, I would say, Jason, right now, this is just a proposal. This is the perfect time for cannabis folks in Connecticut to reach out to their lawmakers and say, this is bullshit. We don't want it. Um, I wish somebody in the uh, Connecticut cannabis industry would volunteer their time to educate these folks on the information that they need to make better decisions. 
but this is not happening yet. This is where voters get to step in and try and stop things. This is when you protest. This is when you go and say, no, we want our edibles, yada, yada, something of that nature. He said, he said uh, Mass- states like Massachusetts, they measure doses by the ear. Well, they're probably referencing <laughs> I mean, that, That's uh, because of Tyson. Tyson. Yep. Yeah, that's because yeah. of Mike Tyson. Tyson yeah, that they reference. <laughs> yes. So Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Wait, who who Thanks, who does Mike. who does edibles in the form of a foot? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's no saying the gummy bear by like the foot and by the ear. I don't know. I, I I think I would I would I would totally do a foot one, and I'd be like, these will kick your ass. <laughs> 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 these are kick ass gummies right here. Saying, yes. Man. You know what you're putting down. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. This, this, is y'all, this is y'all's people. This is you, Gretchen, and you, Jason. Like, I don't know. People. I don't know Republicans in Connecticut. I know a few Republicans in Connecticut. Um, but, uh, but I do think that they're totally off base with a lot, with a lot of these statements. And I wonder if uh, a whole bunch of DREs just kind of gave them their, uh, their, their information because it sounds totally off base, like as off base as, as uh, when you smoke weed, your tongue turns green. Yeah. <laughs> it also doesn't yeah. make sense. Or you can't operate a motor vehicle. Think about the... And, comp- and- I'm really interested to see what the state of Connecticut's rules are in, uh, as it pertains to smoking, like outside. What are the rules there? I don't know. I'm not familiar. Um, but now we just took away a, uh, an opportunity for people to utilize cannabis in a discreet way that doesn't produce smoke, that doesn't irritate others. And also, let's not forget that there are so many people out there that cannot smoke. Right? Yep. And also, uh, does wait. edibles include Does tinctures? edibles classify as tinctures? Yeah. Does edibles yeah, classify are as they tinctures? Are tinctures in, uh... away? I mean, in I'm California, that's classified as a different yeah. product. Well, he did. He did say he wants to limit all concentrates to thirty percent THC. I mean, then 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 you just fill you just you just fill the jar up thirty percent full. Yeah, pretty much no concentrates <laughs> will exist you, there. Well, no, no, no. You only you, you, California. There's plenty of California companies. They'll be more than happy to ship goods out there that y'all need. Connecticut. So there's, just, no, well, there's no concentration there. That's all well, ADHD. Well, no, Mandy. Mandy, instead instead of selling a gram of concentrate, you just sell a point three of concentrate. That's thirty percent of the concentrate right there. But they're talking think about, about the THC percentage, no? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just, I think we could get away. I think we could get away with that. That's thirty percent. That technically would be thirty thirty percent of the THC that's would have came in that jar normally if it was sold as a gram. Yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, you, you got a point. You, you know what I'm semantics. saying? You want to get down to it's semantics because it's improper uh, application of metrics. Smoking a bud at thirty percent is different. Then taking something through your gut and the first pass through the liver and all, it's just fucking stupid. It just tells me how dumb they are and don't want to get their head out of their ass. And they, you know, oh, people are going to drive and they're going to hurt people. They've been driving, smoking weed since I started driving, smoking weed 50 years ago. Since people actually started driving, huh? Yeah. It's (laughs) mind-blowing to me that people don't realize that this has been going on for decades. And let's be really honest, like, like, we're just now having the comment about driving and having weed in the car. I mean, I don't know. Raise your hand if you've been driving since you were a teenager and smoking in the car. I've been driving before I was a teenager. Well, yes. Okay. Well, yep. One point I would like to bring up is that I also debate if this is just some grandstanding on the part of Republicans. Because I did some quick research. And in oh. Connecticut, 
the House, the Senate, and the governor are all controlled by Democrats. So this ain't going to happen. I, if ah. Democrats have a spine, they will they will keep this from happening. You said if. Well. Yeah. We'll see. I'm not, not going to bet on their spine. The past 13 years, it's been that way. So, mm-hmm. I, uh, all right, all you pot-loving libs, contact the pot-loving <laughs> Democrats <laughs> and get them to take care of you. This is That's- The whole thing is silly. It is. It's it's totally it's totally ridiculous, and all it does is enhance the 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 illicit market, trap market, the freedom market, um, and and just encourages people to find you know because you're not going to stop people from taking what they want. But Mandy, I really I really wonder how are they going to tell if you're a parent and you ate an edible and you're picking your kid up from school? How are they going to tell that? Obviously, the drug test when you pull in the parking lot, Jason. Obviously. Is that is that just basically is that basically like like you, it like, depends on like what lane enough. you pull into to pick your kid up? It's like, if you pull yeah, in the exit, it's, it's kind of like you pull in the random, exit only you know? lane. You know, like you the exit only lane they, and like, randomly search certain people like that. I, I would just, yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw the the picture of these representatives and, and that were representing this stuff. I would just really really like to see that dude in the glasses going through the trap shop just taking pictures of every <laughs> of everything and, oh, and saying boy. that he saw some oreos that were list that there were knockoffs that were had thc in them oh boy uh adam we gotta pay our fake first bill adam let's run it do it when you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.s H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. He's known to some as the highest Republican. Others would disagree. <laughs> but you can also always find him at Green Street wheeling and dealing, smoking on the best weed in the world. But there ain't no telling where he'll pop up next. It could be Detroit with the Hustlers hustling Delta 8 or whatever they're hustling up there where they call them white Gucci down in Florida Mar-a-Lago spray tan booth next to wannabe dictators or maybe it's West Hollywood the world capital of cannabis tourism where the locals call him El Presidente but today you know where he is he's with us coming to the stage next it is the longest continuously operating retailer in the world Jason Beck Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone's having an amazing hump day today. Because I'll tell you who's not having a happy hump day today is some of the people in this article that I'm about to talk about. Because as Gretchen was talking about yesterday with the FDA coming out with new cannabis, whoop-de-whoops, regulations, you know, the people that have got through the FDA, Epidiolex, that's right. Epidiolex maker files a suit in you in the U.S. court to protect its patents. That's right. The maker of CBD prescription drug Epidiolex has filed a lawsuit in the USA alleging patent infringement. GW Research LTD, a subsidiary of Ireland-based Jazz Pharmaceuticals, claims that more than 15 drug makers are violating its patents and that and they develop generic versions of Epidiolex, the only pharmaceutical 
containing CBD that is approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, a.k.a. the FDA. Those competitors have submitted abbreviated new drug applications, ANDAs, in order to commercially market generic versions of GW's cannabidiol oral solution drug product, GW said in the lawsuit, noting some of the patents do not expire until September of 2025, while the others are still in force until July of 2027. Epidiolex received authorization for use in the treatment of two rare forms of epilepsy in young children in 2018 and 2020. Here you go. Here's having, here, here's who's having a bad day today. The defendants in the lawsuit brought by GW research LTD are, are you guys ready? Teva pharmaceuticals incorporated, Apotex incorporated, Patagius us LLC, Invagen pharmaceuticals incorporated, Cyplia LTD, Cyplia USA Incorporated, API Pharmatech LLC, Loopton LTD, Alchem Laboratories LTD, Taro Pharmaceutical Industries Limited, uh, MSN, not the news, but MSN Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Zenra Pharma Private LTD, and finally Biofear Pharma Incorporated. The suit was filed in U.S. District Court of the District of New Jersey. And in a quote, they say, we will vigorously defend our intellectual property rights as this is an important part of what edible and enables us to continue to innovate and develop new medicines for patients, including our pioneering work and industry leading G double GW cannabinoid scientific program. Andrew Sivers Davis of Jazz Pharmaceuticals told Marijuana Moment. GW is one of the biggest medical cannabinoid companies in the world, having developed its products under strict regulations for medicine in the markets where it is present, they say. Well, I'll tell you what, I think these companies are going to get screwed royally for infringement on this patent. But I'm going to digress and see what maybe the lawyer has to say in the room or what else you guys have to say as well. But I'll tell you what, I think they're ultimately going to get screwed. They filed this in New Jersey and they're probably going to probably going to win it. But this is Jason Beck reporting for the high at nine news hour. What do you guys think about this? I'm curious how they got a patent for a plant. Right. I'm not a a patent they, they did not they did not get a patent for a plant they got a patent for a cbd drug cbd as well, an isolate drug but if there's anything in there that is some unique uh, product i'd like to know what it is because they've been making uh tinctures with cannabinoids since the 1840s when o'shaughnessy went to india and found this stuff so mm-hmm. i'm curious because Word my damn. patent attorneys tell me that you can't get patents for these plants you have to change the plant somehow and the formula is like Coca-Cola. You can't call it Epidiolex. But here in California, you can back you can back engineer the product, figure out how exactly it's made. You don't have if you don't call it the same product, you can sell it in California. So there's a lot of problems with it. I think it's horseshit myself. So so you think you think you think you think Epidiolex is gonna fall flat on its face on this lawsuit? Well, I I'm not gonna say they will, but from what I've understood about these plant-based products. It's difficult and not impossible to actually get a patent on them. You have to change the plant molecule somehow because what they mix them with, you can pull off the shelf. 
you can't give somebody a product that's not generally regarded as safe to them, especially from a medical standpoint. Mm -hmm. So there's either glycerin or alcohol or some other type of solute in there to keep it in solution. And maybe it's nanotechnology. I don't know. I just think the whole thing smells a bit. And I like to see how the courts handle this. Jay, well, here's what I've been told. And I know folks who have been issued patents, and I've been told it's because the patent uh, agency just has no idea what they're doing. But that the bigger problem is going to be, would these actually be upheld uh, if it is a federally legal mm -hmm. substance? And that'd be my question for you. Is in a, in it, How are they patenting something that's not legal? Well, I, we've been told some of the same problems. And I, in discussions with the attor patent attorneys I work with, we have the technology to take these molecules and put a little tag on them. And this is what Monsanto and other companies do. They'll take a, a plant molecule, put a little tag on it. So now it's a patentable. It's not natural. It's patentable. Okay. If that's what Epidiolex is saying they did, I think that may be a better fight for them. But just to say we got it through the FDA, therefore our product is patented. I think that's patently bullshit. And I don't think the courts are going to uphold it. We do have uh, Michelle from the Clubhouse audience to comment on this. What do you have to say on this, Michelle? Are you with us, Michelle? There so I was curious. If somebody had, say, a patent on CBDA, would that supersede their patent? And I also wanted to just say that I knew a lot of those kids that were part of that study done by Epidiolex, and they dosed those kids to see what their threshold would be for death. And it was awful. Interesting. That's well, they're trying to kill the kids. What about the children? They also discovered that CBD can be a patotoxic at the high levels that they tested them at, which is something you don't get from the natural product. But I think the patent issue is still the problem. If, as she said, it's CBDA. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you look at these molecules, the, what the plant produces is called the cis molecule. There's a bunch of others. And the law generally handles all isomers and other molecules that are similar to it. So they're going to have to parse this out because I was told by my patent attorneys, unless you change that plant molecule, you can't patent that plant molecule. And if this is a magic formula, I'd like to know what the hell it is because you can't give people shit that's not been approved before by the FDA to be a solvent or a solute. I, I just think there's them. some problem here upholding this patent. You can tell them CBDs. CBD, your ass up out of here. Yeah, so with these molecules, there's 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 isomers and enantiomers, and those are actually like you could have four like a a carbon, a hydrogen, two oxygen molecules, right? And and you'll have one isomer that spirals clockwise. You'll have another one that's the exact same molecules and actually the same substance, but it spirals counterclockwise. And you see this in psychedelics, like you have there's one MDA that is uh, really uh, gives you a very much of a body high. There's another one that's incredibly psychedelic and like LSD and gives you a ton of visuals. And it literally is just the the spiraling direction of the chemical structure. So, Dale, that could be something to do with the pharmaceutical CBD is it could even though it is the same molecule when you write down the molecules the actual structure could differ in some way that interacts harmfully at higher levels with human yeah. well i'm physiology. sure we'll parse that out in litigation yeah. yes. is there anything that actually um uh, moistens your palate rather than gives you a uh, cotton mouth saliva a drink of water. cold water yeah yeah quench your <laughs> thirst bro gatorade don't drink the like. water that's bad yeah don't drink don't the bong water and and whatever you do, Rest don't eat bomb. yellow snow. Yeah. No yellow I snow. 
Yeah, we got it. We got to keep it rolling, though. Coming up next, she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night. She's a true female multitask her who can not only bake up a storm, but also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. Taking off the apron and probably throwing it on her dogs it is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Thank you. Thank you. My headline today is uh, coming from New Jersey Spotlight. Uh, draft rules for cannabis consumption lounges in New Jersey. Recreational cannabis is legal in New Jersey. Now partaking of it in what are known as consumption lounges will be too. You can think of them like bars, but instead of alcohol, people will be able to socialize while using legal weed. The state just published a list of draft rules before the lounges can open. They're strict and some say controversial. The rules include allowing for indoor or outdoor consumption areas, no food sales, no alcohol, and licensing fees. If you are going to have an indoor consumption area, the rules proposed now are requiring that any air filtration systems be in line with those that are required by law by cigar lounges, uh, said Molly Hartman Lesnig, partner and chair at McLaughlin Stearns Cannabis Practice Group. She says the venture isn't just costly, it also comes with liability. Uh, this story isn't very in-depth, that's as far as it goes, really. Um, but I would wonder from folks out there if they really think that they're just setting these uh, lounges up to fail. Um, the fact that there's no food, no alcohol, no nothing. I'm not suggesting that you put alcohol with them, but it just seems like they're, uh, I think you at least need food in these types of places to get people to hang out and stay a bit. Uh, um, this is Gretchen for High Nine News. Yeah. I mean, I don't are, know. Are, what? Oh, go ahead, Mandy. I was just saying, I don't get this, right? Everybody's rushing to open up these lounges, but there's basically the only thing you can have in there is people bringing their own weed and you're going to put some probably nice furniture in there. I don't, I don't well, get it. What's, what's are, the they, are they allowing for sales in these consumption lounges? And, and are these uh, consumption lounges like attached to retail? Like, are it, or are they issuing whole new sets of licenses just for these many, consumption lounges? Yeah, many are not. I mean, it depends on city to city, of course. But for the majority, from what I've seen, no, it's like a BYO weed. Yeah. BYO. But, there's, but, there's, but there's New Jersey, though, right? This is New Jersey. It's my understanding, yes, that the consumption lounge license is separate. This is not attached to dispensaries right. or to anything else. This is just for people to come and. And so, is it is yeah. it is it similar to California, where the state doesn't have a consumption lounge license and it's all done by local control? Do we know that? Coming from the state, what do you mean? That's well. That's part of what I'm asking. Well, like, in, yeah, since yeah, the state is licensing this. The state is licensing the consumption lounges in Connecticut. Okay. This is New Jersey. That, that, that was part, or or New, New Jersey. Jersey. Sorry, 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 New Jersey. Sorry. That, that, those states are so clustered together. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they look the same. <laughs> yeah. Geography. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're all blue. They're all blue. So they just get lumped in together, you know? Geography. How does that work? <laughs> This is America. We don't we don't care about geography. It's all America. Yeah. We're better than yeah, you. It's all America. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because New Jersey has a very, very interesting market. They have a very, very limited amount of retails. They have a very, very limited amount of cultivation um, that that that's licensed. Mm -hmm. And and um and, and I don't see any forward plans for them to expand that in any way whatsoever. At least not in the next five years. At least. 
Um, so this is going to be very interesting to watch what they actually do and um, who they actually license for these consumption lounges and how these people are actually going to be able to turn a profit at the same time, too. Well, and Jason, just to help maybe clarify, I'm looking at some other things here. It says that uh, while it's state approved license, it also has to be accepted by the local municipality. So you can't just uh, yeah. move it somewhere. Yeah, that, um, well, that, that's how New Jersey is, is you have to get you have to get this like local authorization letter before you can even apply for your state license. Yes. And I, I one of my friends, actually, Faye Coleman, she pointed me towards a story. She has a conditional license for a consumption lounge in New Jersey. Um, and I know the one that she's going with is uh, in Atlantic City. So she is hoping to uh, play up on the tourism there. Nice. Now, question, is it just a consumption license alone or is it a retail and consumption license that your friend Faye has? It's no, it's a consumption lounge. That's just consumption. Yeah, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be so hard to to make a living with just a consumption lounge. So, so hard. I feel feel bad for those people. I mean, you can really do nice with a lounge, though. Beverage brand. So I'm hoping that she's going to be pushing that there. Can they sell food in there? No, nope. she just said they're not allowed to sell food. You, you have to have an adjoining. You, you have to have an adjoining store space. My 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 buddy Tony Pitts was going to do it right before COVID with Jeremy Fish, and his idea was good in that uh, it wasn't just a lounge, but there was actually lockers where you could keep paraphernalia or other stuff. It was going to be a social lounge. Uh, Jeremy Fish was going to be involved, and so there was uh, opportunities to get Jeremy Fish artwork and prints, and they were coming up with a lot of additional ads. And I think really to make one of these social lounges work. It's okay. almost like an NFT in that, it's, you know, if you just have a place where people can smoke weed, they can do that at the park. But if there's actual <laughs> real world ads, you know, people that you can meet, uh, artists you can see, um, uh, bands you can see. If there's real world ads, yeah, it may be different events. Yeah, it becomes more of an event space. It's cannabis friendly. Okay. But I mean, I don't know, dude. I smoke weed in the park and at the river and shit. How, how, everywhere. <laughs> like everywhere. Man. I, I'm like an outside. Know. I'm an outside dog. You know what I mean? Like. This is about I do this hour and then I go outside for a little while. No. You, you would not oh. get along with Salem. <laughs> oh boy. Oh well, thank you. Thank you so much for that, Gretchen. We're gonna I, I mean, I wish all those people well out there in New Jersey, but man, that's a tough, tough place to be in. Tough place to be in with just a consumption lounge. Oh, rough. Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX. Located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention like to get high at 9 for 10% off your full order. The thoughts, opinions, and shade thrown at High and Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or his followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or any of its authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary responsibility relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or, or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. And if you are an easily offended person, maybe you should move to Connecticut.
It's also available in white. Dude, I tell you what, man, like, like that really, really makes me miss summertime rooftops. Summertime rooftops. That's some really, really great lounge music there. Up next, she's a pop product extraordinaire and serial canapreneur who's blazed trails and doobies alike at Camilla, Canagram, Canamami.org, in the Women's Cana Awards competition. But you can also call her Carmen Sacramento. <laughs> the way she's always searching the globe for perfect cannabis, psychedelic, edible experiences, just not in Connecticut. And she's also a crusader for female entrepreneurship on a mission to show the world of cannabis, motherhood, and executive lifestyle do, in fact, go together. You know who it is to come to the stage next, Mandy Tingler. You're on mute, Mandy. You're on mute. Boom. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, so today my article is talking about the way we are marketing cannabis and the future of cannabis marketing. It comes to us from Adweek. And the headline reads, New Cannabis Trade Group aims to be the got milk of weed. A partnership with Hearst Newspapers will put the campaign in mainstream media outlets. The article reads, for anyone who's ever heard that cannabis is a gateway drug, here's a baby boomer couple willing to confirm those suspicions, but in a way that's counter to the old war on drugs definition. These distinguished looking folks, stars of an upcoming campaign from a newly formed cannabis trade group, have found weed use to be an entree to their younger selves. Pot didn't burn them out. In fact, it revived their romantic life and left them certainly feeling randier, per the ad. Similarly, a grandma is now, quote, hooked because cannabis helps her maintain her daily exercise routine and a gardener can pursue her outdoor passion without pain. And she isn't mind or she doesn't mind at all if anyone calls her a, quote, dirt bag. The work under the tagline, I'm high right now, comes from the Cannabis Media Council, a professional association of 100 members that aims to got milk of the American weed business. Its goal is to educate the public about the industry and pave the way for brands to speak to break into mainstream media. Given the restrictions on cannabis marketing, brands can't buy ads from tech giants like Meta, Instagram, or TikTok and are shut out of most traditional outlets. The sales-free weed wants to build awareness and and rebrand the space. The benefit of a consumer-oriented campaign, as well as we move towards federal legalization, is to get people talking and sharing, Amy Denson, CMC's co-founder, told Adweek. We want it to be a category-growing kind of work and a tide that lifts all boats on a national level. Member brands include Mason Bloom, Can, House of Saka, Headset, Kiva, Miss Grass, Garden Society, and many others. Yes, Boomer. The campaign proposed, proposed zeroed in on Boomers and Gen X as the demo most affected by the previous propaganda about cannabis, according to Allison Disney, a CMC board member who spearheaded the creative via Chicago-based agency Receptor Bands with an assist from Sister Mercy. These consumers are open to cannabis in the new regulation regulatory framework, but they haven't crossed over to actively participating yet. They're mostly getting information from products and friends and family. The 
Older generation may not be the hippest consumer of the segment, but their collective buying power, quote, has the most potential upside for the industry, Disney said. Aside from focusing on characters of a certain age, I'm high right now. Also intentionally and playfully co-ops negative language and turns it on its ear. A retiree proudly calls himself a loafer because he likes to nap in the afternoon, but he's able to walk the golf course instead of riding in a golf court and gets in his 19,000 steps because of his cannabis use. He did not turn into a lazy stoner, in other words. And not incidentally, the words weed and cannabis do not appear in the creative, leaning into and if you know, you know, sensibility, while leaving little to the imagination in the cheeky text. The ads and digital banners do carry the label, a message from the Media Cannabis Council. Here's the information on the partnership with Hearst. The campaign is launching first in the Connecticut Post as a print piece given at the state recently kicked off its adult use cannabis sales and there is a platform that the demo goes and trusts disney said i'm high right now campaign will appear in more legacy media video relation via relationships between the cmc and hearst newspapers and its in-house marketing agency 46 mile hearst in expanding its own cannabis coverage now publishes green state a channel dedicated to the topic to provide accurate information about the plant dispel myths, and help readers understand its health benefits and lifestyle options, according to Rose Fulton, principal at 46 Mile in San Francisco. While the industry has limited marketing opportunities, one of our goals at 46 Mile is to give can brands and, and organizations a platform to reach targeted audiences nationwide and continue to reflect Hearst's own evolution by opening more representation through the Hearst publications, said Fulton. While the CMC officially debuted last year at the Clio Cannabis Awards in Las Vegas, I'm High Right Now is its first communication with the public. Programmatic ads are coming shortly via Surfside, mostly in California markets. This group has a multi-pronged mission, which includes developing best practices for advertisers and publishers and vetting cannabis brands for publishing companies to make sure that they're a part of the legal ecosystem. The CMC will also make a friendly handshake between a media outlet that wants to connect with a brand and vice versa. Friends, this is a whole lot in the marketing of cannabis brands. And so I'm very eager to hear what you all say. This is Mandy from the Hyatt 9 News. Let's chat about it. I love oh. this campaign. I love this campaign. And I mean, isn't Republican it interesting? I love it even more. Isn't it interesting that they're starting it in Connecticut with our previous story about Connecticut? Yes, the, the Republicans are going to love this. And it's all, all, it's, it's all these different edible companies. It, it sounded to me, too, uh, Mandy, when you read all of those different companies, it sounded like this is just a consortium of, of Kiva brands that all are distributed under Kiva. Um, yeah, there, I mean, many of those are distributed by Kiva. Absolutely. I don't think all of them are. Um, but what's really interesting to me is, you know, from a marketing standpoint and feel free to disagree, but from a marketing standpoint, we have been going above and beyond for years trying to dispel this, you know, stoner imagery that that you're you know lazy or whatever and i like that they're going after that angle but the i'm stoned right now um tagline to me isn't it isn't cute it seems counterproductive to me because of the, the the way that people stigmatize that and i think that 
it also opens us up to, are we bragging now? Is this like in the face of law enforcement? Like, I don't know. There's so many layers to this particular campaign that give me a wonky feeling. So maybe, may, maybe it's just to be in the face of all of the uh, parking attendants at schools when you go to pick up your kids. Listen, I feel like I should be the poster child of this campaign. I'm just saying, Hurst, reach out. Let's go. Oh, boy. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming off the top rope with an elbow right now. Did the Hearst group ever apologize for William Randolph Hearst com- colluding with Dow to get Harry Anslinger hired as the national drug czar and, and make mean, cannabis yeah. illegal? Did the Hearst group like ever apologize for Hearst- saying that smoking weed makes Mexican yeah. people want to rape white women? Did, Hearst, did the Hearst group come out and formally apologize for saying that smoking weed makes black people want to kill white people? I, I don't think they like have. The and this is like this is one of the biggest crocks of shit in this whole industry is like the Hearst group. Uh, like, for instance, in Hawaii, the guy who ran the Operation Green Sweep helicopters is, was the first guy given the permits on, on Oahu. And it's time for a lot of these people. If you're ever in law enforcement, if you are ever in, in corporate relations, public relations, government, you need to come out with contrition and a public apology. I am sorry for what I did. I am so- sorry for what I supported before you just get on the money train. And so what I'd like to see is some pushback against Hearst Group saying you as a, as a conglomerate and, and a consortium pushed racism and xenophobia so you could cut down all of the trees in the Pacific Northwest and you owe the American people an apology and really we should talk about reparations to nature and our country and, and every citizen of the country for what was done. Absolutely. Reparations for nature. Bro, I'm, I'm high right now. Yeah, it was reparations for nature and nature. And also, yeah. let's not forget about the fact that if we're going to start a campaign <clears throat> with this particular company, we've got to start with an apology. Like, word that is leadership. Is that media leadership? Mm-hmm. Come on, Hurst, 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 Hurst. <laughs> Whatever happened to Patty Hurst? Uh, she apologized <laughs> and was rich enough that it was okay. Oh. Because if you're rich and white in America and you say sorry, you're all all good. Maybe you go to federal prison for a couple years. Thank you. you. Work on your golf swing a little bit. Affluenza. Good to go. (laughs) Thank you so, so, so much for this, Mandy. This was a fantastic article. We got to keep this rolling. Adam, run, run this last ad. Yes, that's right. Coming up next, we have Mr. Dale Schaefer. He's a 35-year practicing attorney with 23 years in California, the cannabis space. Dale is a former member of the club fed, serving over 52 months for cultivation with the intent to distribute to a handful of terminally ill patients. He started his cannabis adventures as the co-owner of California Medical Research Center and is now the founding partner at Armada Law Corp. That's right, it's none than the Dale Schaefer. Hey, good morning, everybody. Today's story resurrects and continues the story of the dormant commerce clause. And Rico will talk about this a lot because it's going to be targeted in many ways. The story comes from Law 360. 
The tagline is Oregon says nuts to pot company suit over out of state sale ban. And it appears that Oregon has passed an import and export ban on industrial hemp products, marijuana and Delta nine. Okay. And a company up in uh, called Jefferson packing house LLC has challenged that law in federal court, calling into question the dormant commerce clause. Okay. And what they're saying is that the feds really aren't enforcing this. It should be treated like in Oregon, they call it Marion berries, whatever the fuck that is. I don't know what they are, but it should be treated like nuts and berries and Oregon through their department of cannabis control, whatever that they call it said, Oh no, this is uh, directly preempted by federal law. The Controlled Substances Act makes cross-state-line distribution of marijuana strictly illegal under federal law. Now, the Dormant Commerce Clause calls into question a state law which on its face or in application hinders uh, interstate commerce and it can have no difference between intrastate and interstate commerce. So what Oregon is saying is that on its um, face, this is preempted by federal law because it's against the federal law to move any um, cannabis products across state lines. Okay. Now, um, I I think that that that's going to have some merit in the federal courts where they are. Now, here in California, we took the position under state law that federal law does not preempt us, but we don't have a ban like this. One of the concerns I see here is that they have tried to outlaw, if I understand it, uh, industrial hemp products. Well, those are legal under federal law. So if they they focus on that product in, in this lawsuit, I think they lose uh, because Oregon cannot prohibit interstate commerce in legal industrial hemp products. I think that's going to be a problem for this law. But they can carve that out. It's the marijuana, or we call cannabis in the Delta 9, which I think is a problem for these people challenging the Dormant Commerce Clause. And the way this works is the first question, does this conflict with federal law, which has what we call plenary power over interstate commerce? And if it directly conflicts with it, it's thrown out. Okay. now, if it doesn't conflict with uh, federal law in the commerce space, The next question is, on its face, does it discriminate between someone in the state or out of the state? And of course, in this case, it does because it says you can't export this. You can't import this. Okay, that discriminates against people in Oregon who want to sell their shit in New York or whatever. Okay, Um, that that creates a serious problem for them challenging this because uh, they use what they call strict scrutiny. If you are invading the um, interstate commerce free flow across the country then the state has to explain why this is a um, necessarily related to a critical state interest. And the only time that's really ever won is they put a ban on fish going into uh, Maine with parasites. And they said, we're going to allow that to stand. Everything else, the, they basically use, lose, the state loses. Okay, um, But the Commerce Clause, and the Dormant Commerce Clause is going to continue to come up because right now there are suits ongoing out of Illinois because they require a residency in Illinois to be able to get a license there. And that on its face, it violates the dormant commerce clause that restricts somebody like me who lives in California from going to Illinois and say, Hey, I want a license here. 
And if they say no, because you don't live in the state of Illinois, <clears throat> you challenge it on the dormant commerce clause. I think the state loses. And some of the other things we've seen in California and across the nation for social equity, if they have a, a requirement that you have a local criminal conviction, okay, I think that's a problem. But if it's a conviction anywhere, then anyone can come into the state. But if you have local residency requirements, I think that's another one of these problems because I, as a resident of California, could not go to, say, Illinois, and if I'm not a resident there, I don't get, I don't get to have a license there. So what we're going to see going forward here um, are delineations of how you look at this. And it's going to be an ongoing discussion because for these licenses, I think this one's going to have a problem with marijuana and THC. But for these social equity and residency uh, programs trying to give a leg up for people with criminal records or that live in some areas that have been prone to uh, over-policing and desperate treatment, uh, I think we're going to have to see these battles go forward. So that's my presentation for the day. And what do you guys all think about that? I mean, I mean, Dale, couldn't this, uh, couldn't the outcome of this case have uh, some long-lasting effects on like uh, social equity licenses when it pertains to like you have to qualify to be from a certain zip code and whatnot in order yes. to qualify for social equity licenses? So this could throw those all, make all those invalid, all of them. And that's that's one of the concerns, especially for residency requirements. And and I I practice here mm. in California, and I've gone to cities where they require or they they give extra points. To a local resident okay and on its face that does not necessarily discriminate because it's just points but if the application of this means that somebody out of the area can't come there and participate fully i think you're going to see them stricken because of the dormant commerce clause oh, get your knowledge up y'all be yeah. careful what you support be careful what you support because you, you know one hand does not wash the other you know, you know about support. You know it supports lots of things. You know what I mean? Bras and jock straps. That's right. That's right. Perfect answer, my friend. <laughs> well, but what we've seen as this rolls out is we have we don't have clear federal laws. We have well, don't don't prosecute. Use your discretion. That doesn't change the federal law. And it may be that some of these cases will challenge the federal law. And my prediction is if we ever get the Controlled Substances Act control over marijuana before a real federal court, I think the Supreme Court we have right now will throw it in the trash can like they did with the O'Leary. Oh, the yeah. Tax there's the there's no chance they're going to take this up. No yeah. chance. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it will. Yeah. It's no way, Rico. Cut yeah. Out. You're a dreamer. Yeah, it's Supreme Court? Supreme Court is not going to take this case up at all. Yeah, they will because there's multiple states going for this shit. It's, it's New they're York, not, they're, New York, no, Michigan, not. Oregon. And they are not. They are not going to. They're not going to take up this this topic. No, they will not. Watch. They don't care. They no, they watch. do not give a shit. Rico, I think the court it's, it's because it's not just the cannabis. It's not just the cannabis lane um, that's that's getting affected by it. So it's it's, it's yeah, but it's, it's, it's little berries and, and and nuts. Now you know. You think the Supreme Court cares about some nuts? No. Um, which nuts do they care about? That's exactly. <laughs> they got a bunch of nuts that stand outside of it every day and protest. Rico, I think the problem with the court taking this up is they're not going to use cannabis as a vehicle right just now. I think there has to be more movement in cannabis 
towards legalization before the court is really willing to look at a cannabis specific case. I think well, my, my thing on it is I think that it will be cannabis will be the byproduct that's, that's affected by these cases because you have right. to. I hear you, but I'm saying that the case that comes before it can't be cannabis if you want it to be a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be like the main event. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it can't be the main it'll be event. Tyson Holyfield, you might, you know, might have like Jake Paul, some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it moving. <laughs> 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 He's an immortal cannabis wizard, tracked continent to continent for nearly a millennia by royal scribes, continuing the work of the original Merry Pranksters in the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. He dedicated the last 33 years to cannabis sales, genetics, and cultivation, holds a Hogwarts PhD in tripping balls, and co-hosts the What's Good podcast, dropping timeless knowledge and truth bombs on the globally clueless masses. Taking us home today, y'all know who it is. It is the immortal Count himself, Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, Brother Rico. Hi, everybody out there. Uh, so here's my story. Uh, European cannabis news. These countries prep for legalization as a UK official calls pot as harmful as heroin. Another one of these guys. Cannabis, uh, cannabis investors, industry stakeholders, and activists are going gearing up to embrace new cannabis opportunities on the horizon, with several European countries on the cusp of legalizing either recreational or medical marijuana. Can someone mute behind me? Uh, with delays in submitting a draft law to legalize, legalize recreational cannabis to the European Commission, German plans to enact the policy reform may be pushed further into 2025. In October, on the heels of the leaked measure, Health Minister Karl Lauterbach presented a plan to Chancellor Olaf Scholz's cabinet, calling it the most liberal legalization of cannabis in Europe, which will result in the most regulated market in the EU. The German officials intend to tackle the cannabis illicit market, which seems to be substantial considering there are roughly 4 million adults who use marijuana nationwide in Germany. The initiative would legalize possession of a maximum of 20 to 30 grams for people 18 and older and also increase the number of homegrown plants from to three from two. Woohoo! Probably the most striking difference is there will be no cap on THC if the products are sold to people over 21. For now, the law is still being formulated within the federal government, and so it's on hold. Uh, next, the Czech Republic. Uh, has is regulating um, in March. A group of experts in Czechia laid out their plan for regulating the marijuana market to the government office on February, uh, and it's going to be due on pardon me on February second. The bill calls for setting up a program that would include registered users, home growers, and hemp associations as well. It will also oversee the issuance of licenses for production, distribution, and dispensing. We propose taxing cannabis and collecting funds for licensing. A national anti-drug coordinator said, according to the Czech government's website. We are counting on a significant income for the state budget. At the same time, I hope that we will subsequently agree with the government on some allocation of funds for prevention. And meanwhile, in the UK, a push to reclassify cannabis from class B to class A and create stricter penalties for those who possess and sell it faced criticism recently. Police and crime commissioners argued that the conservative party's classification of cannabis is not appropriate, given new data suggesting it is more harmful than previously thought. Therefore, they want to reschedule cannabis as a class A drug raising penalties for those who possess and sell it. However, drug expert, expert Professor David Nutt said the move would represent a failure to learn the lessons of history, you guys. Nutt, a neuropsychopharmacologist specializing in drug research, touted the push as politically motivated as well as destructive and damaging. The changes being proposed uh, are being proposed despite it being almost inevitable that cannabis will be legalized in the future. Still, officials like Mark Shelford, 
Uh, PCC for Avon and Somerset are openly against policy reform while supporting stricter penalties. He said that cannabis is as harmful as crack cocaine or heroin and that reclassifying would open doors to treatment work. Currently, the focus is on drugs like heroin. I'm really interested in, in the destigmatization of cannabis in Europe and beyond, and I'm interested to hear what my fellow correspondents have to uh, say about this. This is St. Germain signing off for Wednesday. I think it's pronounced oh. Heron. Heron. I feel like yeah. Hearst, the, the Hearst and CMC marketing campaign could really just set them straight. Like, I feel like this <laughs> will fix everything. <laughs> Right, right. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we're still undergoing this whole war against a plant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is crazy talking. And like, where is all this data that they're collecting? Where is it coming from? It's coming from the streets. Yeah, it's I don't think they're even underneath the streets. It's coming coming from all those uh closed circuit TVs that they have watching everybody out there. PBS. Yep. yep from whatsapp that's where it's coming from oh man these guys i mean i mean the 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 analogy of cannabis and heroin as as even close to the same thing is just is just still mind-boggling to me that people can even have that type of a connection or or create try, try to even spew the fact that those two are even lightweight related mind blowing i just people who think they're the same need to eat mushrooms but has yeah, anyone died not. from weed yet? I know last week the answer no. was still no, yes. but this week, yes. okay, just checking. Uh, yeah, the, the the woman, uh, the woman out in Connecticut. Yeah, and they just released yeah. like the like oh, the full the full detailed breakdown. Of, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover that one tomorrow. Full detailed breakdown of what happened with her from Cureleaf. Yeah, and they tried. That to keep wasn't it. an overdose death though. That was yeah, not an overdose that death. Yeah, that was not an overdose death. That was not an overdose death. Yeah. That was that was a death from cannabis, but not a death from consumption of cannabis. Actually, a death from cannabis. Yes, there was. No, no, no. But uh, I think she means to say a death from consuming cannabis. Maybe too much. It doesn't matter. LB fifty on this is so high that even with concentrates, no one's ever come close to it. So it wasn't a death from toxic overdose. Yeah. Okay, you may do something stupid yes. when you're high. Uh, maybe kill yourself because you're depressed and a trigger. I mean, I don't know. That's or, not or an you, or, or, or you might uh, work in a in, in a warehouse owned by Kiraleaf. <laughs> and stick with no with no respirators, no, no respirators, no ventilation in that in that bitch. Eighty eighty thousand square feet, and, um, and no and no real public comment or apology from the company. And they kept the whole thing for eight months they away can't from the commission. Are you crazy? I mean, that again. would be admitting false. Right. I mean, I would be admitting fault. Saying, if they apologize. Just saying. Man, Dale, just is, saying. Is, if Cure Leaf was your client, would you tell them go out there and apologize and say how sorry they are? No. Winners don't apologize, right? <laughs> <laughs> Winners don't apologize. Shut the fuck up and say nothing. That's my advice. When in mm. doubt, shut the fuck up and call your lawyer. Yes. There you go. And surely for their billions of um, uh, dollars, uh, we uh, don't know exactly where they came from. Uh, they got plenty <laughs> of lawyers on tap. <laughs> right? Exactly. So um, they have plenty of lawyers on tap.
All right, oh, y'all. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in with us for yet, yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us the feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation and to our production team. Thank you, Cloud Media Partners. Thank you, House of Fuego. And thank you, Jaja Simone, holding things down over there in Clubhouse, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And to our haters out there, move to Connecticut. They love y'all out. <laughs> they love you out there. <laughs> we'll take care of you. Just don't come back. Uh, we still love you. So just do that. Finally, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the High Nine News team shows up to read these headlines daily. We shall forever be in your debt. Thank you, babe. Thank you. It is... Wednesday, January 25th. The show is over and you've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. We hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Y'all know who it is. Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Jason Beck, the highest Republican. Y'all know where he is at Green Street. We are signing off. And remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Hog, hog! Oh boy, right.